Welcome to Passion for Profit. I'm your host, Peter Liu, and I'll be interviewing both young and grizzled entrepreneurs to teach you how to find your passion, play, enjoy, persevere in the game of business, and get rewarded for it. Today, I'm privileged and honored to be joined by the founder and chief creative officer of 100 Roses from Concrete, a nonprofit to connect people of color in the advertising, marketing, and PR industry. He's a champion, consultant, and visionary for diversity and inclusion within companies. Kenny Thacker, welcome to the show, and let's talk about how you've turned your passion to play to profit. Let's get it. What's happening, Peter? Thank you so much, Kenny, for jumping on this podcast. I love your energy already. <laughs> and as always, the first question I always ask is yes, about how you started, right? Um, <clears throat> and specifically in college. Mm. Why did okay. you choose the major you chose in college? How did you discover it? And yeah. why did you decide to learn what you learned? Yeah. Um, so um, first, I'll tell you where I went to college, because um, mm. that's important. Um, yep. yeah, so I am a proud, historically black college graduate. Um, I went it. to Lincoln University of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Um, Lincoln is actually the first historically black college ever. Um, wow. So so uh, so and th- and throughout this conversation, you'll kind of find out that a lot of the things that I do all kind of have historical context to them. So, like, for instance, I wanted to attend, obviously, a historically black college when I graduated from high school, but I also wanted to be a place that was historically significant. Right. So that that's where I went when I finished high school, um, did four years, um, not five, four and a half, not five, not six, um, did a hard four years, but also went to summer school. So I had easy semesters, needless to say. Um mm-hmm. I majored actually in um, education and I had a minor, which I probably don't even think I finished, um, a minor <laughs> in psychology, but I saw, but I took a lot of psychology courses, needless to say. So that's like what I majored in. That's what I have my degree in. And like, I guess the reason why I chose education was because when I was a teeny, teeny bopper um, in the, in the early nineties, um, every summer I would. I don't want to say intern, but I also can't say work because I didn't get paid. So maybe it was an internship. But um, I used to intern at my um, godmother's private school um, in Washington, D.C. So I was always around um, education, needless to say, because the private school had a summer camp every summer. And I would just, you know, kind of help out with, you know, lessons and stuff like that with the, with the young people. They're probably all adults now, <laughs> needless to say. But that's how I kind of got into education. And but also... In dealing with young people at a very, very, when I was still a young person, I guess that's what got me also into, into psychology and things of that nature. Um, just kind of understanding how people think, what, how people feel and things of that nature. And plus, plus, and I know a lot of people say, well, I'm an empath. Well, yeah, I say that too, because I can also like feel people's feelings, but the combination of education and psychology really helped me as I kind of Obviously, after I graduated from high school, I mean, after I graduated from college and then eventually um, found myself in the advertising business, maybe, I don't know, maybe six years after college. So like getting into ad- getting into the advertising business really let me kind of use those skills that I had that I had honed while I was at Lincoln during the four years that I was there. Wow, that is a crazy, crazy thing to think about. Yeah, think- yeah. So I could be a teacher if I wanted to, but I just don't have the time <laughs> to tell people that their kids are stupid. But 
<laughs> well, in a way, you kind of are. Well, not telling kids that they're stupid, but still teaching. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. So you yeah. still are element. You know, yeah. using exact yeah. elements of oh, one hundred percent. And yeah, you know, definitely. I definitely see that throughout your career, right? As mm-hmm. uh, and one of the first things you've done out of um, you know, I guess your uh, university studies is working for the J. Walter Thompson Worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, you you know, perhaps helped you know. Uh, co-found and direct some mm-hmm. diversity and inclusion opportunities, yeah. you know, building up programs for these students, right. In mm-hmm. college and high school, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd love to learn, you know, how did you, you know, take that approach of diversity and inclusion skew? What gave you kind of that passion first? And then yeah. how did you kind of find your niche within this company to provide the value? Yeah. So, so the, to answer your first question, mm-hmm. it, it's pretty simple. Yeah. Um, and, but it's not the most happiest answer. Let me put it that way. Um, so when I, when I got into advertising, there wasn't definitely a lot of brothers and sisters that look like us. That's just the straight up facts. Um, advertising industry is super white, but like most industries, I guess, super white. <laughs> um, so when I started thinking, about creating things probably like you're probably referencing like the young Commodores program. Right. Yep. Um, I wanted to give young and young Commodores in particular was only New York city. So let me make that clear. But um, I wanted to give these young people like a real life experience of like what it's like to be in an agency, because when I was a teenager or when during my college years, like I was never exposed to the advertising industry at all, or even what they do. So by creating the program, I wanted to give them like this real life experience, but also have them create something tangible that they could look back upon and be proud of. So that's how I brought in the notion that they can work on a nonprofit client and make an an actual ad that I dragged to, to the television station and begged them to put on the air. Um, So that, so that's how that worked. Um, now, to address your second question in regards to, you know, well, how did I kind of blend what I what I wanted to do into diversity and inclusion? It goes back to the first question, right? Just not a lot of people that look like us. And I I truly felt and still feel that our stories are valuable and our presence in the industry only enriches the industry at the end of the day. So I wanted to do what. I, so what I wanted to do was was to use a creative approach to really bring people into our world, regardless if you're black, if you're an Asian brother or sister, if you're gay, if you're straight, um, if you're a woman, um, if you're Latinx, like what, whatever background you are, I basically try to creatively bring people into that experience because sadly – if you notice how a lot of us or or some of our, some of our white brothers and sisters grow up, they kind of grow up in these bubbles, right? So they kind of grow up like, you know, in a white neighborhood, they go to kind of a predominantly white school, then they go to a predominantly white college, then they get a predominantly white job. So with, so, and unfortunately, those bubbles are very, very hard to penetrate if you're not quote unquote white, mm-hmm. right? And even if there is like one or two of us that doesn't build sometimes enough empathy for our white brothers and sisters to really understand what people of color go through, right? So regardless if it's violence that's being put upon our Asian brothers and sisters or violence that being that's being put upon black brothers and sisters or, or our brown brothers and sisters, like they just can't totally understand other than, oh, well, that's messed up. No, you don't understand. Like when we leave the house, it could be our last time. 
But and we know that yeah. every single time we leave the house. Right. But unfortunately, that's just not something that our white brothers and sisters have to worry about. Right. Because we could be leaving the house to go to school, to go to work, to hang out with friends. But that may be the last time. Because people are out here crazy and they're doing crazy things. Right. You know what I mean? And But that's just not something, a worry. That's not a worry that unfortunately our, our brothers and sisters um, whom are white have to really worry about that much. So when I, when I got into diversity and inclusion, I had seen it done in a very kind of boxy kind of way, very like, well, you know, this is what, you know, we're going to talk about Asian people. We're going to talk about African-Americans and da, da, da. very just boxy um, and not really that entertaining and that um, educational and inspirational and aspirational. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> and, and make you feel like, OK, I belong here. So that's how I kind of came up with it in my brain is just that I want people to feel that like they belong. People feel like they are seen. People feel like they are heard, but last but not least, feel like they're respected. Wow. That is insane. <laughs> what an amazing way to put it. You yeah. know, oftentimes I, every, every day in college mm -hmm. and in, you know, high school, I always see, mm -hmm. you know, circles of people who are the exact same race, always hanging mm -hmm. out with each other, right? Circles yeah. of white people, circles of Asian people, circles of black people. Yeah. It's what yeah. we, it's, you know, it's what we feel comfortable in. And mm -hmm. the sad thing is that, you know, the great thing is that, you know, we, we, we make those connections and makes, you know, connecting with people of the same race easier, but mm -hmm. at the same time, it kind of, you know, limits us from seeing other perspectives, right? Um, And I think you said it perfectly in that, you know, it's not only just, perhaps the perspective thing but it's also just mindset as a whole mm -hmm. right you can't understand someone's mindset um to you know you have to understand someone's mindset in order to you know have empathy for them right to see the world through their eyes mm -hmm. um and you know the best way to do that is through the connection elements and all those things yeah. so you know i i love the skew that you're putting on to you know having a diversity having like a creative and fun mm -hmm. element to the diversity and inclusion, mm -hmm. right. Conversations that we all have, especially since, you know, you yeah. know, coming from Cornell, we have it a mm -hmm. lot, but it's yeah. just drilled down, you know, as like a class, as like, you know, something that's just part of the requirements and mm -hmm. things along those lines. It's something that's quite dreaded actually. So the culture mm -hmm. the conversation behind it isn't great. So mm -hmm. I, I kind of want to understand your perspective on yeah. how do you perhaps, you know, it's broad, but how do you, um, you know, add the, fun elements i guess to diversity and inclusion and yeah. perhaps that's not the right word but like you know the creative element the element mm -hmm. where people are enjoy that process mm -hmm. right um of, of having those conversations and not dreading yeah. it right yeah yeah so so sadly due to the last president of the united states <laughs> diversity has kind of been demonized right mm, exactly. um e even the word um and i was watching the news yesterday even the word like woke um, has been demonized, right? Um, yeah. and 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 that's the sad part. But what I try to do is, and this is where the educational degree comes into play, is that everyone interprets information in different ways, right? Some people have to read it, some people have to watch it, some people have to touch it, some people, you know, just ha have to eat it. Um, needless to say, exactly. so I try to, I try to build experiences that people will remember any day of the week because they just enjoyed themselves. Now, yes, are there things that I discuss with, you know, my my different clients that are hard things to discuss? Yeah, there are some hard things to discuss. But 
it needs to be discussed. So like, for instance, I remember when, and it wasn't even that long ago, was it two years ago? You know, when that shooting happened in Atlanta and those four, you know, Asian sisters got murdered, I had to talk, I, I put out a statement from both of my companies saying that I don't stand for this, 100 Roses doesn't stand for this because no one should be killed for being whatever they are. Period. So, so yes, do I create things that are fun? Yeah, some sometimes because I think like within the funness, you can kind of break down the experience and what whether it's an artist, what that artist was feeling, or what that you know very smart person was feeling. You know, you can break that down and make it fun, but also invite other people's interpretations of that work, right? So like sometimes I'll assign people to watch like a short documentary or listen to a song or read a poem by someone outside of their bubble, right? So to go back to the bubble thing, right? So read a poem, you know, by, you know, James Baldwin or watch a, watch a short TV series about um, Mexican-Americans. Like, you know, just do something that's out, out of your out of your kind of bubble yeah. or comfort zone, but also be able to share your interpretation mm -hmm. of it. Because mm -hmm. then if you if you share your interpretation of it to me, then I can say, well, yeah, that's right. Okay, this is where you got it wrong. Mm -hmm. And now you exactly. know, right? I mean, to kind of go back to, you know, that, that stupid thing that Ryan back when we were kids, it's like, you know, the more you know, the more you grow mm -hmm. at the end of the day, right? So I think that's that's the real important thing that I like to do as far as part of like communal um, teaching per se, yep. is that if we all come into this, not knowing a hundred percent about everything, we could probably learn from one of us that are, that are in the exactly. room or that are on the exactly. call or whatever the case may be. And, and creating those spaces that are safe for people. That's the most important part, well, providing that psychological safety and this, and but also being psychologically available to mm -hmm. people. That's where, that's where I think we get the, that's where we get the big w's but also the small w's exactly. as well by the end of the day there's still motherfucking w's so that's all we need to worry about right yes yes i love it and it, oftentimes you know a diversity of perspective is one of the best ways right to 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 learn and grow right people go through the exact same lessons the hardships yeah. you know yeah about the day and you know that's the only way to grow as fast as possible through the mm -hmm. lessons of others because doing it by yourself obviously takes way too long and you only have one life so that we only 100%. got one <laughs> i also want to go a little bit deeper into some of yeah. the finance work and program work that you've done as yeah. well for you know yeah. actual companies and not you know only just for students and colleges so you know, you work uh, a bit with Golan, you work with Constituency Management Group, Mc McGraw-Jesse, um, all very- Yeah, McGarry, 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 Jesse. Yeah, yeah. Perfect, yeah. perfect, perfect. Mm -hmm. And, you know, helping them build out their diversity and inclusion practices, mm -hmm. programs, mm -hmm. things along those lines. So perhaps mm -hmm. what are some differences when, you know, you work with, you know, adults in a company versus some of these mm -hmm. high school, college students who, yeah. you know, are just building out? And then also, yeah. um, how do you approach conversations with them? Uh, mm -hmm. and you know, how do you structure these programs? What do you want, uh, to create like the effect yeah. the differences between colleges and, you know, these, uh, and these actual companies? Yeah. So believe it or not, the approach is the same, um, except with adults, obviously, you know, cause they're a little bit older, yeah. um, than, than the college students is that you have to meet people where they are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You have to meet people where they are. You can't assume that they know or that they read this or whatever the case may be, because sometimes our bubbles are just different. Mm 
right? Our bubbles are just different. So it's very important to kind of meet people where they are. But like, for instance, in in working with McGarry and McGarry Jesse in particular, I've worked with them at a really crazy time in our nation's history, right? Not only were we dealing with, you know, the first couple months of COVID, but George Floyd had just gotten murdered. So, you know, the country was just like five, five alarm blades, let's just say. Um, But just due to the fact that they came to me very honest and they were like, Kenny, we don't know nothing about this space, but we want to be better. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, even better. Because, you know, I mean, not that I'm an avid Lego, you know, model builder. I mean, I think I just built my first Lego in 20 years after <laughs> Christmas. Um, but um, it's like, but I'm a builder at the end of the day. So I was like, oh, okay, you're new to this and you're literally starting from the ground up. Maybe they were starting from like the first floor, maybe the second floor, but they were definitely not a skyscraper, needless to say. Yeah, so yeah. it was like, okay, meet you all where you are. And let's really like kind of figure out, you know, what what are the demographics of your company? Obviously, they were in Austin, Texas. So that kind of, you know, already explains that, um, needless to say. But also like what things did they try in the past that didn't work and where they where do they want to take it in the future? Um, so that's how it was um, working with with McGarry Jesse was it's like kind of giving them the building blocks to at least start because I wasn't with them like super long, whatever the case. I think I was only with them like two months or something like that, but at least giving them the building blocks to know how to start in the right direction. And even in the time that I was there, they hired a director of diversity, but that director of diversity didn't have that much experience within the role, but it actually gave me a chance to work with her and really like kind of help her mold her idea of what she wanted McGarry Jesse um, to be on the diversity end. So, so that's how that worked. And then during the days at Golan, and then when I, when I um, transferred over to CMG, I think I was only there about seven months. um, Basically I, I was coming through as their, their partnerships, um, their partnerships um, program manager across the United States. So basically I was like creating programs for every single, like every single like cultural heritage month you could possibly think about, but just giving them suggestions because what's popping in New York is not popping in Chicago and what's popping in Chicago isn't popping in Mm -hmm. Houston. So it was definitely about giving them some kind of just foundation of things they could do. And then it was, it was up to them to really like take it to take it the next step. But obviously that was pre George Floyd before diversity was like a, a big priority to a lot of these agencies. So like I said before, whether they use my recommendations or not, who's to say, but that was back in 2019. Right. I think what's more important and and quite interesting to me is that some of these companies are more malleable and willing to learn than some of these students, right? Mm -hmm. Know actually the importance of it now. Um, And even before, like you said, George Floyd, I think just coming and approaching you, I think is, is extremely good and having that, um, you know, mm-hmm. openness to, to get that advice, you know, within itself, regardless of if it's enacted or not enacted, there's an intention. Um, mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's incredibly, incredibly mm-hmm. good to see. So I also want to really dive deeper into, you know, yeah, let's go. what the podcast is all about, right? It's all about entrepreneurship, <laughs> founding businesses, building mm-hmm. what you, building upon your passions and then, you know, yeah, playing the business and then profiting, right? So yeah, you've done quite a lot. Um, you were a creator at Create, right? Building, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, you know, shining, creating, you know, short films, I guess, to mm-hmm. highlight yeah. 
some of the things that you're passionate about inspire people mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. also the chief diversity creative of your own company kenny backer mm-hmm. llc and mm-hmm. also a hundred roses from concrete so quite a track yeah. record for entrepreneurship <laughs> and building yourself right no doubt and very yeah, creative man. as well <laughs> that's mm-hmm. in every one of your titles so um perhaps maybe let's start off with perhaps your own business right um yeah kenny backer at the end of the day you yeah know, you are your own business you are who you are right so um what made you want to i guess create an llc for yourself yeah um mm-hmm. and you know what are perhaps some of the services you provide things mm-hmm. that you offer and just how how are you growing the business right now yeah um so yeah so so kenny thacker llc basically came when um when because when covid hit that's when um cmg and i kind of parted ways because they just didn't know what to do mm-hmm. with with um consultants um right. when when covid hit so i mean it wasn't just me but i mean a mm-hmm. lot of people um mm-hmm. got got let go and you know no no harm no foul or whatever yeah. the case may be but it was i think the push that i needed right needless to say that you know what i need to go out on my own and literally mm-hmm. i think it took me about a week or two to cuz i was like this is the first time I haven't had a job since like college. <laughs> um, so I, I was freaking out like a little bit. Yeah, I was, yeah. I'll admit it. But then I was like, okay, this happened. That it sucked. I mean, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. stuck at home to, right, for right. the unforeseeable future. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember just putting two words in Twitter and I think in LinkedIn mm-hmm. and then everything changed. And the two wow. words were free agent. That's it. Uh, Free agent. uh, And then the emails just started flowing through. Um, Just literally started flowing through. And I was like, okay, now I need to kind of manage all this money. Not that it was like millions of dollars, far from that. (laughs) But, you know, I need to get, I need to get right, you know, not with the Lord, but with Uncle Sam, IRS. So I was like, you know what? I was like, you know what? Kenny Thacker LLC. Boom. That's what we're going to do. Um, Cause I was like, I didn't want to like come up with like a name or something like that. I was like, it's just me. It's not like I have a staff, exactly. you know, it's just me. So I was like, that's exactly what I'm going to do. So that was the push that I needed. Um, and pretty much I just, cause the interesting thing about my story is this. So you probably saw, you know, like a lot of time at JWT, like creating diversity stuff and things of that nature. The sad part about that story is that the diversity stuff that I created for JWT, I did not get paid for. Wow. And I did it for like, and I did diversity and stuff like that. I would, I left there in 2019 and I started doing diversity stuff there in 2011 for eight years. Not, not one dime, not one dime That's in my nuts. pocket for all of the diversity stuff that I did. So all the documentaries and all the programs and the young Commodores program, obviously, Nothing, nothing, nothing at all. So I, so within that time, like I had written so many ideas that just never came to life. So I pretty much, it was, there's, there's always a saying, you know, stack like Tupac vocals, right? Because Tupac mm-hmm, had so many mm-hmm. songs, even after he was dead. Right. Yeah. So I had, yeah. so I had like all these like different files of like just different ideas that I wanted to do. So I just kind of flipped all those into kind of the services that Kenny Thacker um, LLC provides that that's pretty much how that um, works. Um, And some, and there were some new ones that I I created uh, over the last three years. So it was, it was pretty much a a no brainer, but I needed that push into the unknown 
to really create, you know, um, Kenny, Kenny Thacker LLC. And, and literally like that same, I think it was the summer of 2020. I got this tattoo on my hand. If I could put it close enough to the camera, it disappears sometimes, but <laughs> it's, it, but it says it. faith, but it yeah. says faith. And mm-hmm. I took a leap of faith. And, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't regret any of my tattoos, but this one in particular means some, I mean, some of, I guess some right. of them mean some, some right. of them don't mean shit, but, um, <laughs> but like this one in particular, like every time, like I look down at my hand and I'm typing, like I'm, I'm doing this all based on faith at the end exactly. of the day and, and my, and my faith, you know, in higher, in the higher power, but also just faith in myself. You know what I mean? So that that's how Kenny Thacker LLC Mm -hmm. was born. But, you know, regardless if it's, you know, me training leaders to be more um, inclusive or me having cultural media discussions, discussing different types of media um, created by different diverse people, or it's, you know, doing the privilege line or doing um, a fishbowl exercise where we unpack people's biases. It's very psychologically taxing, but it's very good. Um, whether it's creating um, DEI um, playbooks to really help people like kind of stick to the foundation of what they want their DEI to be like that. That's how that's the space that I move in and, you know, proud to move in and, you know, been working obviously with a bunch of clients, you know, since um, 2020, I guess. Yeah, since 2020 when I started the company. That is insane. And uh, I think just to go back on that faith thing, you know, like I, mm-hmm. it's it's very much so just personal belief in yourself, despite hardship, mm-hmm. right? At the end of the day, like I have a stone yeah. that says hope and I carry it with me everywhere. And I think mm-hmm. it's synonymous to kind of what you're doing, which is, you know, no matter what, I, I have hope, right? Or, or a belief mm-hmm. in the future that it will work out for me. And I think, you yeah. know, yeah. not getting paid for like eight years of work yeah. and finally yeah. seeing the yeah. I mean, that labor. I mean, I had like a quote unquote, like day job. Yeah you know, oh, okay. at, at JWT. So yeah. it's not, it's not like I was just like there hanging out. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I yeah, had a yeah. day job. I worked, I worked right. on the te- event technology team nice. and, you know, flew all around the world, like doing, okay. doing that kind of stuff. But the diversity stuff is what was really calling. Exactly. You know exactly. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that is, it's so kind natural. of like the force, like the force, right. Right? right. You know, like that's what was really calling. Like the technology stuff, to be totally honest with you, Peter, I could do it with my hands tied behind my back and my 100%. eyes closed. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. literally. But the diversity stuff, I needed to open my mind and my eyes and my heart, to be totally honest with you. Exactly. So that's what, and and yeah, I wasn't getting paid for it. But at the time, I didn't really care because I was doing something that was feeding my soul. Yeah, the technology work, yeah, that fed my pocket, you know, kept a, a roof over my family's head. Yeah, it did. But my soul wasn't being fed at all until I started doing the DNI work. You know, until people started coming up to me and being like, I really enjoyed that session. I really enjoyed that, 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 that documentary that you shot and directed, like it, 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 it spoke to me. I'm inspired and I, I'm inspired and I'm not Asian and I'm not black and I'm not gay or whatever the Mm -hmm, case may be. mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. just people still being able to relate to these stories that I was able to tell. So that's how my soul was being fed. But And I don't know if this matters or not, but the reason why I quit JWT or resigned was because I still wasn't seeing the necessary change that I wanted to see within that organization. So it's not like they were paying me anyway, right? Um, And and I kind of and on the technology side, I had a passive aggressive kind of racist boss. So like. 
really wasn't with that and didn't really like him. And I had nine bosses when I was at that company the whole 13 years, you know, had a just there were there were a lot of things that were definitely chipping away at my spirit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I needed to step away. Yeah. And 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 by but by stepping away, taking that leap of faith, you know, but, you know, obviously going to Golan for a little bit, then CMG, and then obviously, you know, creating Kenny Thacker LLC, like that's when my soul started being fed. And even like that, the last week I was at JWT is when I created Hunter Rose from Concrete. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because so. I knew that I was on my way out of there, but I wanted to make sure that no one else felt the way I did when I was there at least on the soul kind of crushing side, right? I wanted to make sure yeah. that no one else felt like that. So that's why I created Hunter Rose and Concrete. I love that. And I think, you know, just to speak from the entrepreneur's perspective, I think mm-hmm. one quote that Mark Cuban said is like, he would rather work for himself and make 50 grand, right? Per year mm-hmm. than, you know, work for someone else and make 7,500,000. You know, yeah. and I think that is extremely true um, for true, true, true entrepreneurs who have a, you know, calling who have a passion, who have, you know, yeah. right. You know, that, that, that fire burning yeah. inside of them. So, and I mean, it's scary. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's scary. Um, but like, if you have that, and I'm going to, I'm going to take your the word. If you have that hope, if you have that hope and you have that faith, like, man, nothing can stop you. Nothing can stop you. Exactly. And even if people don't understand what your hope and faith is about, who fucking cares? Like, exactly. as long as you're not smoking crack or touching babies or kids, like, <laughs> it's a, or storming yeah, the Capitol. Exactly. Like, exactly. like, you know, you go with me. Like, you know, I, 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 cause, cause there's going to be a lot of people during your journey that are not going to understand what you do. Right. They're, they're just not going to mm-hmm. get it. Mm-hmm. Why is this important? Why is talking about other people from different backgrounds, perspective, or their journey, or or their even their neurodivergence? Like, why is it important? Because it fucking is. That's why. Like, so I I never really look for validation from from anyone right. um, for the things that I do, and and this is yeah. why, Peter. And I know I'm oh, you're probably like, Kenny. You're not answering the question. I think no, I no, no, you but are. but so this is why. Because one thing that I realized the minute I, I resigned from JWT in particular is that the reason why I was feeding my soul is because feeding my soul with the diversity projects is because I thought I could get some type of validation from those people. And they were never going to give it to me. Ever. Ever. Wow. Because every single project that I that I made. I would mm-hmm. try to make better than the last one. So yeah. not only was my soul being crushed at my at my during my day job that I did with my hands behind my back, but also I was suffering from imposter syndrome at the same time because I felt mm-hmm. like, oh, well, mm-hmm. I did this project. Maybe they'll see that I'm great at this. Maybe they'll make this my full-time job. I see. I see. Didn't happen. Nope. Didn't happen. Year after year after year. And producing like, fucking killer results by doing two jobs by mind you by doing two jobs but like you know nothing nothing happened nothing happened you know nothing not there wasn't change in my pay and there wasn't a change in in you know like my title and this is before like diversity jobs were like the shit like since 2020 like there's a million diversity jobs out there in the world i mean 
Now, you know, that company actually does, I think, have like a director or a global director of diversity. But they didn't when I was there. When I was putting in all that eight years of free work, mm-hmm. not one role right. related to diversity. But once George Floyd got murdered, <laughs> oh, this shit now is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so, rough. yeah. So, it's, but I mean, I wish whoever that poor, poor bastard is like the best of luck because yeah. like – I, I still, I mean, JWT as a brand, as a company doesn't exist anymore because it merged with another company. But like, you know, I wish them the best of luck because even though some of the leaders have changed, still a majority of the leadership there is white. And like, they're not really about it in a in a real type of way, at least the way I was doing it. So, you know, it's just like, yeah, good luck. I'm mm-hmm. over here. I got, yeah. I got my two companies, you know, exactly. and I, and I've been, I've been great because the crazy thing, and th- and this is this is the part that's gonna blow your mind. Ninety mm-hmm, percent mm-hmm. of my clients are ex JWT people. No way. Yep, they're wow. all my friends that used to rock with me. You know, back when we were there together, and you know, they're all at different places now. They started their own companies, and they want to you know improve their diversity. Calling me up in my inbox, in LinkedIn, or in in my Twitter, or wherever yeah. you know. I mean, that's why I'm a firm believer in karma. You know, at the end of the day, what comes around goes around, right? And even though perhaps your efforts weren't recognized by senior management, they were recognized Mm -hmm. by your peers. So even though, I guess, quote unquote, suffered at that time, right? By not seeing the results and getting validation, you got it now, right? It's your own company. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, like you said, it's because of the faith that you took. It's the hope and it's that risk, right? Of doing it Mm -hmm. all on your own and having the belief in yourself. So, Mm -hmm. you know, getting that vindication that, you know, your peers saw you all the way through and were like, yeah, this guy's legit. We want to work with him and he's, he's, he's the shit. So um, (laughs) seeing that, you know, at the end of the day makes me extremely hopeful. And for all the people and entrepreneurs that are listening, right? Extremely Mm -hmm. um, great to hear as well. Cause Mm. you know, you, it's like a bird out of a cage, right? Like Mm -hmm. you weren't working for anyone anymore and no one was, you know, going to direct your results but yeah uh or or yeah. dictate if your results were impactful or not but yeah. instead you had yeah. full ownership and that full ownership is just yeah i don't know like yeah. that generally that's, yeah. that's gonna be it was like it was like grow, being a you know? caged bird it was like being a exactly. caged bird you know exactly. and and that's one of the things that every time mm-hmm. i would talk to someone or they'd be like kenny i need mm-hmm. help and they were ex-co-worker they were like mm-hmm. yeah I really wanted to do stuff with you, but like my hands were tied behind my back and not until I could start my own thing. Like, was I able to, you know, be able to bring you on? So, I mean, it's definitely (laughs) been a blessing. I mean, you know, you know, there's a lot of negative things that, you know, I could say about that place, but I will say Mm -hmm. to, to, to the friends that I made there, like some of them are like lifelong friends, needless to say. Um, And it's been great to kind of, you know, reconnect with them and help Mm -hmm. their companies out and things of that nature, because they, they would even say like, yeah, that company wasn't really, they, they didn't deserve the things that you did for them. I was like, well, you know, from your mouth to God's ears, Uh you know, 100%. And, you know, speaking on that same tangent of, you know, friends, Mm -hmm. community, building the network, you know, a mm-hmm. hundred roses from concrete is exactly that, right? Just building yeah. something from scratch, um, getting all your friends from advertising, marketing, mm-hmm. PR together, right? Mm-hmm. Helping each other out, people of color. So mm-hmm. I guess, you know, what, it seems very clear now why you, you created it, but you know, mm-hmm. how are you building it? How are you growing it? How are you, you know, yeah. making it as valuable as possible to all the members that are involved? Yeah. Yeah. So, so we definitely try to make sure that our members feel the value in being a member of the organization. So, I mean, 
I mean, when COVID hit, we obviously became 100% virtual. That's never going to change because COVID ain't going nowhere either. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah. but, but the virtual model helps us because we're able to cast a wider net, right? So we got roses, New York, down South, Florida. We got roses, Midwest, Chicago, Ohio, um, we got roses in Portland, Oregon, LA. So like, you know, we got roses literally all over the country, probably about, probably about 90 to maybe 95 roses all across the country. So by doing that, it's not quote unquote, a New York thing. Right. Um, not that right. you know there's anything wrong with New York things, but um, <laughs> it's just a matter of being able to really help that person that made that, or even we got roses in Arizona. Like <laughs> it's just wow. a matter of being able to, to cast the net as wide as possible and provide these services and trainings and professional development things that can help people. Um, actually, I mean, we even have a couple of white roses to be totally honest with you, but to help people be developed in ways that their companies don't do. Right. So whether mm-hmm. it's a, whether it's a workshop on NFTs and Bitcoin, we're not trying to sell you on investing NFTs and Bitcoin, but you should know about them. Exactly. You should know yeah. about them, right? So like we did that like last May, I think we did that session. But then literally buh, 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 last week, um, I interviewed a friend of mine that's a director and he's directed a butt ton of commercials, Aston Martin, all this really cool stuff. Um, um, worked um, behind the scenes on Moon Knight um, for Disney and Marvel, like done some really, really cool stuff. But just having someone that looks like you or that can relate to the like the person of color journey, like, you know, we do that as well. Um, but, you know, we also have workshops on how to ask for a raise, like, you know, anything that has to do with bettering our members in the workplace that's what we're going to do but then you know we have these sub things that we do as well so we have our mentorship program growth the growth initiative take two in which we mentor people over the age of 40 that are looking to enter or re or re-enter the advertising business but then we have the summertime growth initiative in which we Mm -hmm. um work with multicultural um college kids um and they actually work on a nonprofit client and they make a commercial so anything to do to to support and help people like us, that's what 100 Roses do, wow. does, right? Because Jay-Z talks about this all the time. He talks about, we need to use our position of privilege to be of service and engagement for those that are less fortunate. Probably one of the wisest things I've ever heard Jay-Z say. And he says a lot of smart stuff here and there. So, but when he said that, I was like, yeah, that's why the Roses is here. To do exactly that. Because, you know, I've I've been, you know, blessed and lucky, um, needless to say, to be able to do the things that I've done and people to actually listen when I talk sometimes. Um, But if I can do that, how am I helping the next generation or how am I helping people, even people that are at my level, my peers, how am I helping them? So that's what the roses is all about, my guy, like anything that we can do, but also. And let me just end it with this, but also use these creative skills that we are all kind of, you know, sharpening our knives every single day in the advertising business to even help nonprofit organizations. So like in the last three years, which obviously the last three years of COVID, right, 
we've made 10 commercials for nonprofit clients across the U.S. 10. In the middle of a global pandemic. So we're using the skills that we have to help organizations that are literally the pillars of our communities. So, you know, th that's that's what we're about. We're all about giving at the end of the day, whether it's yeah. our, our members or, you know, organizations that could use our help. They can't exactly. afford the big agencies that cost, mm -hmm. you know, a couple million bucks or right. a couple hundred thousand dollars to retain. Right. We charge all of these non nonprofit clients zero dollars to produce their commercials. Wow. Zero dollars. And, and we've earned them. We of Of the 10 commercials that we've made they've earned over half a million dollars in free media for these organizations that could never afford advertising agencies. Yeah. And if there was ever a question about whether, <clears throat> if you know, you were creating impact or not, especially at mm -hmm. JT, right? Like now mm -hmm. it's more apparent than ever that it's a massive dilution effect, right? Across all the members of, right? The Rose from Concrete and, you know, mm -hmm. creating the commercials, creating, mm -hmm. um, and even now, right? Speaking on mm -hmm. this podcast, right? That talking mm -hmm. to this next generation, you're doing exactly what you're saying. So, you know, we see best. it, you know, <laughs> we hear it and we see it. So it's just all things that, you know, feed into each other and, and become just a ball of momentum, um, mm -hmm. just taking the industry. So I love doing that. I love seeing that. Also, you know, as a final kind of wrap up question, right? Yeah. I always love to talk about the future um, mm -hmm. and where you think, you know, you're going to go. So, you know, in, in maybe the next five years, where do you see yourself? Um, perhaps what are some roadblocks that you see in the next mm -hmm. five years that are difficult that you're prepping for? And yeah. lastly, you know, just the big old question of what, what legacy do you want to leave behind on this earth? What do you want to be known yeah. for? And, you know, yeah. What's yeah. what's the thing you want to that, that one? Yeah. You want to so, so so to answer the second question, I just don't want mm -hmm. asshole on my tombstone. That's it. Like <laughs> simple. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I just I don't want that. asshole on my tombstone. Yeah. That that's like it. You know, you know, you know, son, father, um, and not an asshole. Like yeah. that's like it. That's and you up. know, left left the world a better place. That's what's um up. the the obstacles that I just see um in the next five years is that the the spark unfortunately that that george floyd um lit that made a lot of people's ears kind of perk up in regards to the importance of diversity i feel like that flame has been constantly going down over the last 3 years and i feel like eventually sad to say i mean maybe some agencies but not all but some agencies will go back to their pre-2020 kind of operating model where people like us, we're just we're just another number, you know, we're just we're just another worker bee. You know what I mean? So whether it's the psychological safety or the the workplace experience for non-white employees is gonna go back to not being a factor in company success. Um, needless to say. Um, is that a good business model? Fuck no. It's a terrible business model. But yeah. I feel like as this flame keeps kind of going out and out mm -hmm. and out, like things are going to go back to being the same. But exactly. I feel like that also gives opportunity right. for bright minds like yourself, right? And to be mm -hmm. like, you know what? I don't want to work at a place that's not going to respect my journey, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I'm going to start my own company and I'm going to bring in people whose, whose journeys I do respect. So Absolutely. that's where, because a lot of these companies, 
they're just like old cranky old white dudes that are stuck in their way at exactly. to be totally honest with exactly. you like yeah. they just don't want to change mm-hmm. even though the science i mean literally like the science the numbers say mm-hmm. that diverse companies make more money yeah with when they have diverse leaders when they have a diverse workforce they yeah. just make more motherfucking money but exactly. you know what it's that science they deny it and and mm-hmm. and we've seen you know science deniers right over the last right. three years it's been brought to light like i don't i don't care i just don't care <laughs> you know yeah. but it's like all right that but that luck is eventually going to run out because these brands and these clients they mm-hmm. want to see diversity in the organizations that they're mm-hmm. working with right i don't yep. care if you're working in fucking finance if i'm a billionaire and i want to you know in you know put my money in your bank mm-hmm. i want to know that my my black brothers and sisters my asian brothers and sisters are working there and they have exactly. my best interests at heart but don't give me a bunch of fucking white dudes like exactly. oh well we got you nah b no thank you <laughs> yeah yeah i know yeah so I rather work with a smaller organization mm-hmm. or, you know, let's, let's say like mm-hmm. it's like a hedge fund that you start. Right. Because I'll be like, well, at least I know I can only blame it on three people or four exactly. people. Exactly. Right. Rather than not having a clue because all these dudes look the same. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. like, you know, like, well, well, yeah. blame, blame, yeah. blame, blame it on right. Tom. Right. Which right. motherfucker right. is Tom? <laughs> like, <laughs> plays across so, in college, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, I feel like there's an opportunity and the sooner like these people kind of get out of their own way and just like embrace it, because Mm -hmm. as you and I know, the science Mm -hmm. says Mm -hmm. that America Mm -hmm. is becoming browner by the day. Yeah, it just is. So you can't it's just like you can't stop this. Exactly. Exactly. Even if you tried. Mm -hmm. So accept it or just get rolled over. For sure. At the end of the day. So, yeah. So it's almost there. So there's, there's like, there's, there's a yin and a yang to what the five next five years looks like, Mm -hmm. because like to the people that want to prioritize DNI, they're going to come out winning. Yes. Recession or not, they will come out winning. Yes. But to the people that don't want to make it like a bottom line item, Mm -hmm. they're going to lose. They're going to lose because no one wants to work at a place where they're one of one. Right. Exactly. exactly. Like, like during my days at JWT, I was probably in a 300 people company. I don't know. I'm maybe one of, I don't know, 20 black guys. Like, wow. Like it was just, and sometimes people would get us confused. Literally. That's horrible. Sometimes people would get, get us confused. People mm-hmm. would confuse me for the security guard sometimes, you know, shout <laughs> oh, out to damn. my boy Jamal, Jamal. <laughs> but like, you know, it's just like, it, that's not going to work anymore. And it's not about checking off boxes. And, I'll, and, I'll, exactly. and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'm going to end it with this for you, Peter. Sure, sure, it's sure. not that's about good. checking off boxes. It's about doing what's right. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. When you, when you do it, when you do what's right, it's, mm-hmm. it goes past to a word that you used earlier you use the word intent. It goes mm-hmm. from intent to intentional. Yes. Because when you're intentional, you take accountability, responsibility, and last mm-hmm. but not least, my brother, action. That's so important. And with that, thank you so much, Kenny Thacker, for your time today. As always, you've inspired a lot of people in this next generation. I hope so. And you will continue mm-hmm. to do so. And the world will look upon you with hope, joy, 
and as always very high aspirations so for sure for sure so as nipsey time. says the marathon continues my dude the marathon as continues always, as always. <laughs> yes